Hello, everybody. This is Christian Thwaites and Rita Lee of Brown Janikowski. Uh, welcome to our monthly conference call. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the budget deficits uh, and trade, and, uh, and more importantly, how it affects uh, our market outlook and, and your investments. Um, normal uh, process, we'll, we'll do about 10, 15 minutes of talk and discussion. We, we will open up plenty of time for questions. Um, and I'll let you know when, when it's opened up so that we have a quiet line. Um, and if you do end up uh, calling uh, or asking a question, just uh, please mute your phone by uh, pressing star two. Okay, we'll jump right in here. Um, so on the, on the market right now, we're about flat on the year, year to date. Uh, it's actually down about 1.7%, but if you include dividends, it's uh, slightly better than that. But mostly what we've been seeing this market is a consolidation time. Uh, so the small company index is slightly ahead of the S&P, so is emerging markets, and so is international, but, but not by very big amounts. It's been, a, it's been essentially uh, four months of of flat investment uh, where we had a very strong January followed by the return of volatility in February and a, and a big correction then and essentially a sideways directionless market since then. It doesn't mean that any one day wasn't full of activity, but generally the, the market has been a little bit directionless, kind of looking for its next big uh, queue and, and, and what it could look forward to. We're in the middle of the first quarter earnings season. This is an important one because it's obviously the first full one since the tax changes were announced at the end of December. But I would mention that on the earning call, a lot of CFOs are still saying they're, they're working through what the tax implications are. Some of them have taken either fairly big one-time hits or fairly big one-time write-ups to their tax losses or tax, tax paid liabilities. But a lot of this is still working through on the finer points of detail, such as things like the limited amount of interest payments that are going to be deductible for corporations. So there's more to come on that, but the first quarter was a big one, at least for you know, getting some of the big, as I said, write-downs or, or write-ups uh, write uh, out of the way. So about 20%, one-fifth of the way through earnings season, it has been exceptionally strong, as we expected. Some of that is just better volumes, better margins, uh, better cost control, but a very big one of it is the uh, drop in corporation tax from an effective rate of about 29 to about 18. So the, the headline rate was 36 to 21, uh, yeah. I think, so fairly big. But yeah. you know, US corporations don't pay anything like that 35% tax, uh, especially the S&P companies. So, but it's still a, you know, a, sizable, uh, a, a sizable benefit to earnings. And some of the more domestic-oriented stocks, of which the most important one in our world is Berkshire Hathaway had very, very significant increases to their to their earnings just as a result of the lower corporation tax. So we're seeing earnings up about 17% year on year. Some of that is just bouncing back with the energy sector. That's about 15% of the index. Obviously, we've got giant players uh, like um, Chevron and Exxon all the way down to you know fairly small specialist pipeline operators and downstream companies. But they've had a phenomenal year-on-year -year growth of about 70%, albeit from a very low base. So that's all helped to flatter and increase the, um, the, earning, the earnings uh, that are being reported right now. Um, interestingly, we're also seeing uh, companies that have reported very well, like Google just last night, beating every metric possible, but actually falling on the day. 
And, and that was slightly true of the banks as well, which reported last week and had very good year-on-year -year earnings. I think what's happening is that um, in the market, as we've discussed many times, is a, is a very good forward-looking look, indicator. So a lot of what we're seeing now in good and strong earnings have been priced into the market last uh, October, November, December. And in some ways, that's when the market rallied and it's still you know, ahead of those levels that it was in the fourth quarter. And what we're seeing now is the delivery of some of those earnings. Um, and some of the forward-looking comments are perfectly respectable. There's nothing sort of outrageous or disconcerting in them, but there's enough of the other things going on in the market, which we'll address in a minute, which is just making meaning that the market isn't running up to very high levels. So this is typically what happens in the market. You get very good earnings and you get a sell-off. And the quick reason for that is that some of that has already been priced in, and, it, and it's just a continuation of the old adage of buy the rumor, sell the news. So some of that's going on right now. Um, so just turning to trade, which is the topic of our conversation today, when we picked the topic about two weeks ago, this was very germane, very, very much the headlines of the day. And as is sort of very typical of the administration we're in right now, you know, some of the headlines move on. doesn't mean to see that, that they're not important, but uh, uh, right now, we, you know, they haven't come as front and center. But let's just recap. Uh, we wrote a blog piece a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to go into too much detail. Welcome to look at it on the blog if you'd like. But uh, the, obviously, the, the biggest contretemps first came with steel, uh, the steel business, and, and then with the um, with China of which the China one is far more important. Steel is not a particularly big, steel production is not a particularly big industry in the United States. And those tariffs maybe added $10 billion to the, the price of steel, which is bad news if you're a Ford or a major steel producer. But in terms of employment and effect on GDP, it's really a rounding error of a rounding error. But so China was a little bit more significant. And the headline here was that we had $500 billion worth of a trade deficit with China, and it was very unfair. And uh, but just to go through the numbers, um, it's China exports about $500 billion worth of stuff to the U.S. Uh, and in return, U.S. exports about $130 billion worth of stuff to China. And then that's on the trade accounts, that's physical goods. And then on the services account, which is things like tourism and aircraft and licensing, uh, not aircraft, uh, passenger. Uh, if you take a flight from San Francisco to to uh, to Beijing, that'll show up in the trade services side, and the and the U.S. has a very big surplus of that, about 38 billion. So then, if you net all that down, it's about 330 billion, and it's the biggest, obviously, bilateral trade deficit the U.S. has, uh, and that's uh, that's out of a total trade deficit of about 500 billion. So, uh, you know, it's obviously something that people keep an eye on, and there are some. Very valid points, I think, in the uh, in the U.S.'s concern about intellectual property licensing copies. Um, you know, recently we just saw one of the electronic components, uh, ZTE. Yes, thank you, which uses a lot of uh, I think Qualcomm or Broadcom. I'm not sure which <laughs> produces what. Uh, and, yeah, and those products were ending up in Iran as a sanctions bank busting, uh, you know, issue. So, so there's some legitimate concerns to do this. Um, but if you kind of net all this down, the numbers are still still not very big. You know, even if the China goes through with the 25% tariffs on about 100 billion dollars of U.S. 
imports to China, that's only about $22 billion. Um, so you add all this together, it's about $45 billion, which is not, not a huge number, but um, you know, on a $20 trillion economy. But I think what, what's happening is that there's a, it's uncertainty. And um, the big public companies, I think, are going to escape a lot of this. You know, Caterpillar, not really affected. Boeing, not really affected. But there's a lot of smaller businesses which will be affected. And just in our own backyard, we know there's going to be a 15% levy on uh, Napa wine going to China. And it'll be things like that. And, and actually, one of the biggest ginseng producers in the world is the US and Wisconsin. And so there will be another area which will get hit. And uh, that will be a very kind of localized effect. But it's in terms of its effect on the S&P type companies, it's not terribly big. Um, but what it does, I think uh, the important thing is it kind of instills a, a lack of confidence. I mean, if you're a, a business person, and you've got some business with China, you don't know, you know if your goods are about to get a 15% price hike. That's not going to be terribly conducive to you adding more workers, planting, doing more investment, running extra production lines, uh, giving overtime to your workers or anything else like that. And I think that's where it percolates down to. And, and that was reflected in the NFIB numbers, the National Federation of Independent Businessmen. So this is a very important survey we look at. It's basically employers who employ 50 to 50 or less employees, which is about 30, 40% of the US working population. So very important. And those guys are a little bit nervous and they've, and they've postponed some CapEx and other investment programs. Not, not hugely big yet, but that's kind of in the, in the background. So I think what we have to do on the trade side is realize that it's, it's, it's a lot of talk. Uh, the actual tariffs, some of them have gone into place. Uh, um, we've seen steel prices increase anyway this year for reasons having to do with the tariffs. Um, and um, I think it's overall detrimental effects on confidence will be there in the background, and we expect it to flare up every now and then. But um, uh, its it, it total impact on the economy is, is, is not terribly significant, um, but, it, but in terms of its confidence affecting, it is very significant. And I think um, there are certain aspects of the um, uh, electronic components um, that might be uh, worth noticing, and uh, we will be watching for uh, further discussions and uh, further concessions uh, being made over here. Yes. Good. So we'll certainly keep an eye on that, and um, you know, meanwhile, it tends to be part of the daily movement in the markets. So I wanted to move on quickly to um, the, the next area which is concerning the market, and that is the budget deficit. And again, we wrote about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, so I'll give the headline version here. So we knew coming out of the tax uh, cuts in at the end of 2017 that the amount of tax cuts uh, was not going to be made up for by increased tax revenue. And uh, the... CBO finally came out with their, with their study, which is a big table-thumping 300-page report. Very, very good if you've got the time to breeze through it. But their consensus was, look, the budget deficit a year ago was about $500 billion going to six seven hundred, And now, in 2018, it's going to be more like 700 
and hitting a trillion dollars at the end of 2019, and then it's going to be 20, you know, trillion dollars all the way out to the end of the 2020. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the CBO always works in 10-year cycles, mm -hmm. so uh, so they've essentially got those deficit numbers going out to 2028. And the strange thing is that happens with this: a lot of the um, the, the tax uh, benefits to individual taxpayers. We know that for corporate taxpayers, this is a very good deal. But for individual taxpayers, it's very, very small. Um, for example, if you're in the top rate bracket of over a million dollars, your your tax rate drops, goes from 44 to 41, and then it goes up to 42 again when the tax expire in 2026. And if you're in the more, you know, uh, middle period of over 100,000, I think your top tax rate goes from 33 to 32 and a half. Uh, so, so it's difficult to see exactly how these are going to be big stimulators to, to wealth. I think my own takeaway is, seems to be is that it has been good for corporations. And then if it's going to be good for the economy, then secondary effects have to kick in. Those secondary effects have to be, okay, the, the, the margins are better, the return on equity is better, mm -hmm. so we're going to either pay more wages or we're going to invest in more capital expenditure. But I, I think most people think that the extra money will just go back to shareholders. So, so the CBO kind of put all this stuff together and said, you know, that, that this is where the deficits are going to be, and uh, and that rises to, um, do you remember the numbers about three percent of GDP? Well, um, it's going to be no, no. You mean rises by? Or yeah. Rises to. Rises to. Ninety. Yes, that's the amount of federal debt held by the public. Yeah. It goes from 75 to 98 right. cents. So all things being equal, there's a lot of deficit to finance. Um, and I think you know most people feel that eventually that'll be a, you know that will be a, a, a downward pressure on growth. So I think this is one of those where these calculations have finally come out. People kind of felt this, and now they've seen it validated. And so we're hearing a little bit more about you know deficits. Uh, than we did uh, a few weeks ago. The time to worry about it was in January and February, but it takes a while to catch up, and I think that's what we're seeing now. Um, and so uh, the, the other one I'd like to talk about is quickly bonds, because we had a bit of an interesting day today where the 10-year Treasury, which is the one that you know we certainly look at as, as being the flagship bond uh, yield, because that's obviously the sovereign bond. It's, it's the sort of middle point of... of uh, where treasuries mature, uh, hit 3%. But I, I think this is not a cause for, for concern because it's hit 3% before post-recession. Uh, it, it's intended in 2014. A lot of technicals driving the treasury market right now. Uh, there's a big, um, there's a big uh, refund, refunding program going on in the next 10 days, and so people take positions out of the core treasuries in order to get ready for the, for the buying of new treasuries. Um, and I think what's happened recently is that some of there's been some inflation fears, but I'll be very specific about that. It's inflation fears tied to commodities. It's not. We're still not seeing it in things like oh, uh, wage increase. Wage <laughs> increase is not there. The, the owner's equivalent rent is not there, which is the big one. That's shelter, and it's about 30% of the index. Um, we're seeing it in a few spotty places like healthcare, as always, but it's balanced out. Cell phone crisis. <laughs> yeah, and I think what happened is that uh, is that we've seen you know oil prices spiked up last week with this noise, counter noise coming from Saudi Arabia and the White House from $65 to 69, and there's been some 
increases in aluminum prices and steel prices. And so this kind of commodity-based inflation that some people have some concern about. I don't think it will feed into the core inflation significantly, and I don't think it changes the Fed outlook particularly. But bond investors are very are very uh, sensitive to interest rate movements. If they feel that the interest, interest rate infl inflation movements, if they feel inflation is coming down the road, then uh, you know bond prices, bond yields will increase in order to compensate for the lack of a, a of a real yield. That's a good point. I think um, with the Fed's um, recent um, meeting and minutes showing, maybe that plot's a bit more confusing. <laughs> that person yeah. and I looked at quite a bit. Um, it's it's not as conclusive as before, and the decisions are a bit more um, spread out. Yes, there's definitely a lack of uh, of complete cohesion. I right. think agreement on that, and we've got some interesting Fed changes coming up. So, so our, our our view on this is that we kind of felt that the 10 years would trade in this 275 to 3 percent range for most of this year. That's, that's been the case. We don't necessarily see it breaking out to the upside. Uh, we're more concerned about credit quality in our bond portfolio, and hence we've very much sort of stayed towards a high-quality bond, bond portfolio. And um, the bond, the duration of our bond portfolio is in line with the market, um, and we are slightly higher in yield versus the market, so we're comfortable with that. Yes, that's a nice, uh, nice trade-off of not taking on quite so much risk but getting uh, a higher yield. So. Um, no big changes to the portfolios. We've continued to, uh, on the margin, like uh, uh, small company emerging markets and international. Um, those have done better, and we continue to expect them to do so. Uh, but I do think we're going to be in a period of kind of sideways tracking for, for the large cap equity. I've spoken enough. Um, I want to open it up to questions. Uh, so at this point, all lines are open. Uh, feel free to um, to 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 to. Uh, to Ask a question. It's kind of first come, first serve. So if you hear the line, uh, we're ready to open. Oh, let me. This, this is Doug Schwab. Can I ask you a question? Of course. Hi, Doug. Okay. Hi. Hi, Christian. Uh, so uh, I looked at the market today, right before the call. It's down about 500 points. Your outlook for the rest of the year for equities. So the last comment that you just made. Uh, are you saying that your outlook for the rest of the year is sort of sideways for equities? Um, I, I think in the short term, yes, because I think we need a catalyst. But um, I think that catalyst can come through, uh, you know, less less noise on the on the trade side. Um, it would be sort of like you know, just some of the stuff that's been troubling the market comes off the boil a little bit and comes less sort of front and center. We could also get it in a you know more. We've still got a lot of companies still the report with more bullish forward-looking statements. Um, I I think the market is sort of on track for a not particularly uh, original call here, but I think you know seven eight percent for the year would be good uh, given all the given all that we're we're facing. Yeah. That would mean seven eight percent from here. That would have to be seven or eight percent from now because it's as you said it's flat for the year. Exactly. Now. Exactly. Okay. Well, all right. So that's that's all right. And that's Thank you know, you. why we started to put in some uh, some some uh, note protection in our portfolio so that we could get some of those gains and if there is a correction, be have some. Yeah. 
that. But that's kind of where we are right now. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, anyone else has a question? I'll just I'll just keep quiet for ten seconds, and if someone would like to ask one, feel feel free to do that. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll be uh, please check in on our, our blogs or call us if you would like any other sort of uh, updates or information, and uh, we'll be scheduling this for next month as well. Thank you very much. And Thank now you. I'm going to read the disclosure, and this is where everybody puts their phone down. But here comes the disclosure. Please note the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only. It should not be considered as an individual or recommendation or personalized investment advice. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may be not suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or own particular situation before making an investment decision or expressions of opinion are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance no guarantee of future results, and the opinions presented cannot be used as an indicator of future performance. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, I want to stay on for this.